We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baisley, catch me out. There you go. <laughs> nice. Hardy spins it to Detroit. Great defense by the rookie out of Arizona State. Another ferocious slam by Hamadou Diallo. What is up, Hunter fans, and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of Boomtown Hoops. Uh, my apologies for the delay on this one. I'm recording this midday on, on Saturday, um, the day after the game last night, the crazy game last night, which we will get into. Hope everybody is having a great weekend. And uh, sorry again for the delay. Uh, I had some stuff going on last night and didn't really get to watch the game in as much detail as I wanted to when I'm uh, in charge of doing these post games, and so I went back this morning, gathered my notes, actually threw together a Shea Gillis Alexander highlight reel. So be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. <laughs> I put one um, up for Poku's game the, the, a couple nights ago, already up to ten thousand views because apparently people love the Poku man. So uh, you know. Be sure to tune in and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm going to try and do that more regularly. And uh, Jacob and I actually have something special that we're going to be working on that we'll throw up on our YouTube channel and, and try to make that a little more regular as well. So be sure to tune in there. Um, but hey, you know, better late than never. And here we are. And what a fun game to break down and discuss as a Thunder overcome a 22-point deficit. I'll get into that here in a second. A 22-point deficit to beat the Billy Donovan-led Bulls, 127-125. to uh, I have some quick notes before we dive into some overall themes from last night's game that were pretty interesting and stuck out to me. Um, per the broadcast, last night's 22-point game, or sorry, 22-point comeback is tied for the fifth largest comeback in Thunder history. That's pretty incredible. Uh, I was looking at the stats. Here we go. Um, December 16, 2019, against the Bulls, funny enough, was the largest comeback victory of 26 points. Uh, 
the Rockets 26 points, Grizzlies 24 points, Nets 23 points, and then the Bulls and Heat, uh, the Thunder both overcame 22-point deficits for some of the largest comebacks in OKC Thunder history. So pretty impressive. Uh, like I said, a very fun second half last night if you guys got to watch. Uh, another fun stat per ESPN Stats and Info. The Bulls were up to a 99.1% chance to win, and they were up 10 with a minute and 56 left in regulation before they lost to the Thunder in overtime. Teams were 1-2 when trailing by 10-plus points in the final two minutes of regulation over the last five seasons. The only other win was by the Kings on January 27th, 2020. Pretty wild. Uh, not a high probability, but as we'll get into, Shea Gillis-Alexander, Lou Dort, Kenny Hustle, Isaiah Roby. They led the comeback, and it was pretty impressive. Thunder were down 16. To that point, they were down 16 with four minutes left, and then Shea happened. Uh, but it really was a, a team effort. You had Lou Dort, like I talked about, just doing what he does on the defensive end, but also having a huge offensive game. Kenrick Williams ended up getting the nod to close the game with the starters as Baisley was still a little dinged up, wasn't playing his best game, and Kenrick Williams was really making things happening. Uh, again, we'll get into him here in a little bit, but was super impressed with him and loved the choice to to put him in with the starters to end the game. And then Isaiah Roby, he he had a big dunk. He, had, uh, he drew a charge. It really was a team effort there and was a ton of fun to watch. Just a couple more notes. You know, Al Horford, he was out. I mentioned Roby. Horford was out with per for personal reasons. Um, according to Thunder Twitter investigators, it could be due to the birth of his baby, so hopefully that's it. Hopefully nothing serious. Um, either the birth of his baby, or who knows, maybe he's on his way to Brooklyn. We'll see. Uh, or some other team that needs a center. <laughs> uh, still no tie to Rome, just something I wanted to briefly mention. Seems kind of strange. He's been out so long with an ankle sprain, although uh, we haven't really heard, or at least I haven't, the... Uh, what kind of ankle sprain that was. It could be a high ankle sprain, which obviously takes a lot longer to overcome. But I just wanted to mention it because he was injured last year in his rookie season, and it's just something to keep an eye on. I'm really excited to watch him and see him out there on the court and see him continue how he kind of fits in with these young guys. And I'm just hopefully, you know, he, he's not injury prone, and, and we'll see. And then finally, you know, this, this I, don't get me wrong, I love Billy Donovan. He was nothing but great um, for this OKC team. Um, but with that being said, I feel like we we have to mention the Thunder beat, the rebuilding Thunder beat Billy Donovan's team. Uh, the Thunder are 6-6. Six and six. The Bulls are currently 4-8. and eight. And, you know, the reason that kind of came out was that, you know, Billy wasn't super interested in coaching a rebuilding team, wanted to go and coach a, a playoff contender, not necessarily a championship contender, but, you know, the Bulls have young talent. Uh, it, it seemed like maybe a little more promising. They were a little closer to win now than maybe the Thunder were, but they, based off this season, doesn't seem to be the case. Like I mentioned, the Bulls, 4-8. and eight. Um, They do have some young talent, but it, especially Patrick Williams. I mean, I think that's the thing. They draft Patrick Williams, and he, him and Kobe White maybe seem like the, the most promising of the young talent. When We kind of thought Laurie Markkinen and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. maybe were a little more promising, a little more developed. They haven't seemed to take those leaps. And so, look, again, this isn't just to, tr to trash Billy here. I think the point I'm trying to make is maybe it was a little more Pressy-driven. Um, again, Pressy apparently didn't give him the offer he was looking for, and I think Pressy very much, you know, everything Pressy does is so thought out. And I, I think maybe that was a little bit on purpose. Um, I, I kind of wonder if maybe Presley wanted a change. And uh, he was very thorough in his coaching search, but you have to think that Dignall uh, was on the top of his radar. And as we've seen this season, uh, he's been really impressive in the small sample size. So, again, all of that to say, 
quite the game. So let's dive into some overall things from last night's game before answering your guys' Twitter questions. And as you guys know, if you've listened to our podcast before and listened to our post-game podcast, we all do these a little differently. We try and switch it up. And I haven't done positives and negatives in a while. And also, I just want to try and get this out to you guys as soon as possible uh, since this podcast is a little bit delayed. So uh, it's an easy way to break these games down. And there's a lot of fun things to talk about. So as always, you got to start with the negatives and end on a positive note because there were a ton of positives. So we'll get through these negatives more quickly. But the first negative that I want to mention, this is something kind of interest, interesting that stood out to me uh, from last night's game. It's something that I just kind of have been tracking. and haven't mentioned a ton yet, so I want to go ahead and bring it up here. The Thunder's three-point shooting. Uh, the Thunder continue to take a lot of three-point shots, and that's you know what the defense is giving them. We've heard Dignall speak about that. We've heard Horford and others talk about, you know, that if the defense is giving them those shots, they want to take them. Um, but the Thunder shot 33% from three last night, 15 of 45. And ironically enough, the Thunder are averaging 33% from three overall in the season. Uh, and also averaging that that's on 38 three-point attempts. So they're shooting, and just for reference, for reference, that's currently the highest attempts for any OKC team per basketball reference when I went back and looked at it. So all of that to say, the Thunder are shooting quite a few three-pointers. Um, they have some good three-point shooters on the team, Al Horford, George Hill, Mike Muscala, obviously, we'll get into him. Um, but it, and even uh, Pokashevsky, when he gets it going, although uh, he hasn't so far uh, overall this season as a rookie, but... All of that to say, the Thunder are not a great three-point shooting team, um, and it's so hard really to talk about negatives for the season because it almost feels like you know during a, a transitional year like this year, all the positives are just really a bonus. <laughs> but with that being said, this is something to keep an eye on because as Pressy's rebuilding this team, um, you know he's going to want to surround guys like um, Shea and Baisley and and Teo Ether. You know he's going to want to surround them with with three point shooters. It's going to be really important because this is a three point shooting league, and uh, you know that's one thing as the league continues to to change and continues to um, you know develop and transition to different phases. I don't see this going away anytime soon. So it's just something to keep in mind as the Thunder are rebuilding over the next couple of seasons. Um, you know, again, it, it, it's really hard to complain about that in a season like this, but just something to keep in mind. My next negative is George Hill, not overall, but specifically his shooting last night. Um, he was 3-11 from the field, and that hurts when somebody like Al Horford is out. You know, that can pro provide more spacing and obviously quite a bit more scoring, just his presence in general. Um, it was definitely was missed last night, and when... Hill's only, you know, 3 of 11 from the field. That That's going to hurt a little bit. But uh, 11 field goals overall for Hill is not much at all. And he's really taking on, like, a veteran leadership kind of role. You know, you see him deferring to other guys. Not that him and, like, Homie necessarily are playing a lot together, but Homie's getting more shot, shot attempts, and Shea's getting more shot attempts, and Dort, Baisley. The young guys are getting more shot attempts, and you don't see George Hill really forcing much. Um, but he kind of has been struggling off and on. Yeah, he'll, he'll have games like he did last night, um, but he brings so much more to the team than just that and just that presence, which I'm going to get into here in a little bit. My next negative was Baisley. I mentioned him a little bit earlier. Um, he played okay overall. He really did. It was, a, it was a decent game from him, but he definitely looked like he wasn't completely healthy after he sprained his ankle. Uh, minor ankle sprain compared to Ty, Ty Jerome's, but he sprained his ankle uh, last game a couple nights ago, and it, it definitely showed. Um, he was struggling a little bit. Um, he, he obviously wasn't shooting very well, and, and just to, again, something else to monitor, uh, it just seems like he can't really get his shot going. 3 of 12 from the field last night, but, um, sorry, his shot, his outside shot going. He, he definitely is struggling some from outside. He'll hit a couple big threes throughout the game, uh, over the as we've seen over the past couple of weeks. But uh, just something he really needs to hone in, and hopefully he can get going. 
throughout the season as he continues to develop. Because if if, if he does, um, Baze is going to be a really impressive and fun player. He already is. My last negative. I mentioned him earlier as well. Hamadou Diallo. He looked much like the old homie last night. Uh, a little too confident, uh, making some bad choices. And along those lines, you know, a lot more mid-range shots that he was settling for, not kicking out to teammates, not driving to the rim quite as much as he had been the past couple of games where he was playing so well. Um, just kind of seemed like he was uh, just going a little too... <laughs> A little too hard, I think, compared to what he should be. Uh, not quite as poised and controlled as the past couple of games, maybe is the best way to put that. One is six from the floor and two turnovers. It was not Hami's best game. Um, but with all that being said with Hami, I think the biggest thing for him uh, is to see more consistency. And I'm not saying he should be scoring 20 points per game or anything over the coming season. But as we mentioned on this podcast, as you guys have probably um, seen on Twitter and, and other places, I think with Hami, we're, we're going to see, or we need to see something more in the middle, right? Where he's much more poised and control, um, and he's doing that consistently, you know, at, with that second unit, um, kind of taking a charge there as their score, and driving to the rim, kicking out to teammates. And I think I think he'll get there. He really has made leaps this year. I don't think those those two games, you know, where he had 20 points uh, last week and the week before, I don't necessarily think that those were, like, major outliers. But we're going to continue to see games like tonight. I think, or Sorry, like last night. I think the key is to see Hami... Um, start to dwindle those down and, like I said, be a little more consistent uh, when it comes to his playing and, and playing type. So really, there's not a lot of negatives to take from this from this game, uh, but there were a ton of positives. So let's just jump right into them. Uh, again, a, a lot of fun stuff. First thing I want to mention here is that the Thunder had 33 points off turnovers and forced 24 turnovers. Now what's interesting, and this kind of will go into my next point, but 17 of those came in the second half. They had seven in the first half, and the Bulls also had seven seven turnovers. And the Thunder uh, had 17 in the second half. They really stepped up their defensive intensity, and it showed. And that just leads me right into my next point. George Hill, apparently, um, according to the, the post-game interviews with Shea and Coach Dagnaught and others, George Hill apparently had a halftime speech um, and that, that led to that third-quarter comeback, talking about how the, the team need, needed to play more aggressive. And it really resonated with these young guys because Shea mentioned it. You know, it, it, it didn't sound like, hey, guys, we need to play better. <laughs> I think he really went in there and encouraged his team. And I just I find that super impressive. I've been super impressed, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, with George Hill's leadership and, and veteran presence. He's been fantastic. He's talked very highly about the organization. Uh, he wants to get involved in the community. He's talking about you know meeting with uh, Clay Bennett, the owner, and um, and Sam Presti, and continue to learn how he can do that. But then obviously he's doing the right things on the court as well. And just Sam Presti continues to bring in guys like Chris Paul, um, you know Gallinari last season. You have uh, Stephen Adams. I mean, I, but he was already on the team. But you have George Hill um, this season. Now Horford, just high quality um, character veterans to come in and, and help lead these young guys as they develop even through a rebuild and that's just something I wanted to point out uh, I thought was really cool and that led to like I said that second half comeback that really started in that third quarter and so that kind of leads me to the rest of my positives here uh, Kenrick Williams Kenny Hustle Kenny Hustle uh, reminds me of Nipsey Hustle Nip Nipsey Hustle the great rest in peace Kenny Hustle he had quite the game 14 points five rebounds two assists perfect from the field six of six and I think what I mean that's impressive enough but he was playing great defense they had him on marketing they had him on others and he was just making things happen out there and that eventually led to Dignall like I mentioned earlier in the podcast 
bringing in Kendrick Williams and letting him um, close the game out with the starters in place of a Baisley who wasn't playing quite as well. Uh, a lot of positives to take from that. One, Dignall's coaching and, and flexibility in, in lineups. Again, not to just you know make this a a poop on Billy Donovan podcast, but that's not something that we often saw from Billy, and we've seen quite a bit from Dignall, and that's something uh, so far in a small sample size, and that's what I I really have enjoyed seeing. Uh, and Kendrick Williams, you know, he's just a guy that makes things happen. Was not super impressed with him early in the season. Definitely wasn't in preseason. Thought he might even get cut, but I was really surprised reading guys like John Hollinger from the Athletic, and there's many others. Um, national reporters talking about the impact, you know, making the, the small things happen, almost in like a Steven Adams type of way, or um, Andre Robertson type of way, right? Prime Dre, pre-injury. Um, he just, he goes out there, he makes things happen, he makes the right plays, and uh, he did that for New, or New Orleans uh, the past couple of seasons, and he's coming in and doing that already. And last night was probably, his, not probably, it was his best game of the season. That was really fun to watch. So my next positive, Mike Muscala. Uh, I keep leaving him out when I'm doing some of my positives and my, my the post games that I've been doing throughout the season. But Muskie has just been super, super impressive. Um, honestly, has been one of the most consistent players on the team that, and playing the best on the team. And like I said, the small sample size so far this season throughout 12 games. 11 points for Muskie last night, 6 rebounds, 3-9 um, and nine from the field, 2-7 from 3. Shooting splits weren't great, but he played another solid game. Uh, he's just really uh, taking on a leadership role, you know, even off the court. Uh, like I mentioned, George Hill and Horford, we also have heard the the young guys talk about uh, Muscala and his veteran leadership, and he's showing it on the floor as well, just having a great, great season. And we'll see. Uh, it, it might be a thing where Muscala is actually the center that's traded this season. Uh, that That's more highly sought after due to his contract and what he's been doing on the court this season. And and maybe Horford's the one that rides, rides the rest of the season out. I, I think that could be the most likely scenario at this point. And I, I just hope that Muscala continues to play well on the court because it, it's really fun to watch and he just seems like a great guy overall. And you, you want to see him continue to play well. Uh, great for the team and great for his trade value too from a selfish standpoint. So Muscala's guy I definitely wanted to mention there. Tail Maladon. Maladon. 10 points. Three rebounds, two assists, four of eight from the field. Played really well. Uh, again, just very poised. Um, flashed his IQ, his high IQ level with that second unit, and really kind of helped spark that that uh, the comeback there. And the, the third quarter, he played some, made some really good plays. And um, just a guy who's always going to seem to make the right decisions. And uh, just really impressed with him overall. He he seems to be uh, continuing to develop each and every night. Um, only two turnover turnovers tonight as a rookie I think that's really important especially with the minutes that he's getting and the the competition he's playing against and so I just wanted to mention uh Teo here I think he's playing really well I just continue to love to see him progress but I just kind of with Hami like I mentioned earlier I, I think the consistency is something that we need to continue to track with Teo with Poku Diallo all these young guys especially the young guys coming off the bench is the consistency aspect but I think Teo will get there and uh, Teo's kind of the guy that I'm really excited to see that you know, we call it the sophomore leap. Sometimes there's a sophomore slump, but in Teo's case, uh, he's a candidate for that big sophomore leap next season that I'm really excited to watch. So Teo is somebody I want to mention. Roby, Isaiah Roby, again, he gets another start with Al Horford out. 14 points, four rebounds, three assists, six of 12 from the field. And he really is a power forward. I mean, he's an undersized, undersized center right now. Um, he is able to stretch out and hit the three. He's only one of three tonight, but um, that's something he can continue to grow uh, grow and, and, and continue to develop. And I think that will help him 
as he continues to, uh, you know, kind of see himself in the league. But with that being said, I think Roby's been playing great. He, he played well overall on the defensive end. Like I mentioned, he had a huge charge that he was able to draw there in the fourth quarter as the Thunder were, you know, going through their, their comeback and, and trying to finalize their comeback. Roby played a really big part of that, and he's just playing great. He's been super fun to watch, uh, really impressive, and somebody that we really should be keeping an eye on moving forward this season. Another young guy who can continue to develop and once Horford gets back, uh, you know, we already have seen this when Horford has been back the past couple of weeks after Roby's career high that he had here, what was that, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago? You know, Roby's getting regular rotation minutes now. But I'm still not convinced he's a center. Uh, it's more so just kind of the role that he's had to play for this team where he fits best with this Thunder team this season. I, I definitely see him more as a kind of Baisley type, you know, that, that that stretch power forward, versatile power forward role. And I kind of think that's where we could see him. If they decide to hold on to Roby long term, um, I, I think him coming off the bench in that power forward role could be a really good good fit for him and this team. Just something to monitor long term. Now let's get to the two major, major positives, the biggest positives of the game before we do an ad read and then jump into your guys' Twitter questions. Lou Dort. I mean, just an, another incredible game from Lou. 21 points, 8 rebounds, and here's the, the craziest part. A career-high 6 steals. I think he had 8 steals the entire season prior to last night. 6 steals, 21 points, 7 of 15 from the floor, 4 of 11 from 3. He was a huge, huge part of that comeback. And now I have some pretty uh, fun Lou Dort stats. Oh, wait, sorry. Before we do that, 15 points for Lou in the third quarter. Like I said, really sparked that comeback. And just for reference, the Bulls had 23 points as a team. <laughs> so Lou Dorn almost outscored the Chicago Bulls all by himself. And Stat Muse had a, uh, on Twitter, had a really good stat that I want to mention. Um, with Lou's stat line, he joins Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, two guys that I think you, you Thunder fans and NBA fans are probably familiar with. He joins KD and Russ as the only OKC players with a 20 plus point, or sorry, 20 point, five rebound, five steals game before turning 22. <laughs> Lou seems legit. And, and just to mention, or just on that, that point, shooting 43% from three on five threes per game and shot a season high 11 three-pointers last night. So again, you know, 12, point, or 12 games is not a huge sample size, but we're getting closer and closer to that 20 game mark that Jacob on our podcast uh, keeps mentioning right, where, where you start to see trends that, you know, you, you get to see things, um, is it just because of small sample size, or, or are these themes for real? I think what we're seeing is Lou's development is for real, and, and not just his three-point shooting either, the, his ability to drive to, to the rim, um, his confidence overall as a player, especially on the offensive end, Lou looks like he's turning into a, a real, a real impressive basketball player, and, and a obviously a, a big piece of this core, this young core for OKC moving forward as they continue to to rebuild and, and go through this rebuild. So uh, just a really impressive game last night from Lou. A ton of fun to watch. One of my favorite players, um, really, in the maybe so far in, in the history of OKC. Okay, the OKC Thunder, um, just a really fun player. Um, but speaking of a really fun player, we got to end this with the biggest positive of the night. Shagil's Alexander, his former mentor, Chris Paul, I think, put it best when he tweeted out last night Shay is special we get to watch him for a long time something along those lines and he he's exactly right what Shay did last night you know uh, we've been a little critical of, of him on this podcast at times and I, I know many others have as well wanting to see him be more aggressive more assertive wanting to see him take more shot attempts uh, kind of see if he can develop into that 
that 1A, 1B on a player on a championship team and being a little concerned that maybe he's more of a 2 than a 1A or 1B. Well, last night, and again, I don't want to like overreact to just one game, but he was a 1A kind of player last night. Um, sorry, I'm going to go to his, his stats. Here we go. 33 points, which is a career high for him. 5 rebounds, 10 assists on 19 shots. He was 13 and 19 from the field. Still only taking 19 shots. Uh, I, I think something to, the, just to put that into context, I, I think if he would have had like um, 26, 27, 28 shot attempts last night, he could have had 50 points, which is just absolutely wild. but super efficient, and his second half might have been just what was the most incredible uh, in that fourth quarter specifically. 12 points in the fourth, and then he had that and one uh, to put it into overtime which was just wild. He goes into the middle of the lane, splits defenders, uh, draws a defender on him, does a spin move, and then a step back, and he's able to get that and one, and, and that puts the game into overtime. It just, a, a great comeback, really was led by Shea, and he capitalized it there at the end of the fourth quarter to put the game into overtime. Now, just to mention, his overtime wasn't great. He needs to, uh, uh, that at least needs to be mentioned, he, he didn't score again in overtime had a couple of possessions where he actually held on to the ball and had some shot clock violations and just almost seemed like he was a little too worried about losing the game. It wasn't just playing his way. Like he went, you know, just, uh, just in the flow of the game. Like he was just him taking over like he did there in the third and fourth quarter. But so the overtime wasn't great, but regardless, I mean, just a super impressive performance and super impressive game from Shea. And um, I, I think one of my favorite parts, my favorite parts of, that, that fourth quarter where he was taking over, like I said, 12 in the fourth. I think it was about three, maybe like 3.30 left in the game. Sorry, left in the fourth quarter since the game went to overtime. He goes down, has one of his drives where he finishes. And I think the Bulls maybe call a timeout because you see Shea look over at the Thunder bench and just full on like fist pumps and, you know, it just pumped up. You usually don't, you, Shea's a very, I keep using the word poised because that kind of is what the Thunder team is, but Shea's another one of those poised kind of players. Uh, very put together. Uh, it shows excitement, but not a ton of excitement. He's not Russell Westbrook where he, you know, wears his heart on his sleeve necessarily, right? To use uh, that comparison. But he was pumped up there in the fourth and you could just tell that he was feeling it. And so when he's in that zone like that, I mean, there are very, very few players in the NBA who could actually reach that kind of zone and uh, reach that kind of level that Shea was playing at. Again, you know, against a, a team like Chicago Bulls, who aren't necessarily stellar, but all that to say, I think Shea can reach that level when he's playing against some of the best teams in the league, and I just hope we can see this a little more consistently, and when he's in that kind of zone like he was last night, maybe see him shoot more, like instead of 19 shot attempts, maybe see him shoot more, like 20, or shoot, yeah, get, get up to 26 shot attempts. Uh, but all that to say is that that's just not the kind of player he is. And, you know, I think that's kind of something throughout his career we'll be talking about. Man, Shea should have had 26 shot attempts, uh, you know, last night's game. But, um, you know, he, he only has 20 or, you know, 18 or whatever it may be. All that to say is that's just kind of the player that Shea is. He he wants to get his teammates involved. He wants to be in control of the offense. And it, it's been super impressive so far seeing him kind of carry that torch this season without guys like Schroeder and CP. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Three. So just in conclusion, I think Shay is incredibly special. Like in the words of CP3. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to overreact off of one game. And, but Shay can be that guy when he needs to be. And I just, again, consistency. We'll see if he can start to do that a little more regularly, especially in the coming years when he gets more young talent around him with these upcoming draft picks that Presti has. It's going to be really interesting to see the role he takes on and if he can do this more consistently, if that young talent will kind of open the the game up even more for him. Um, So just something to, to check out. Again, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, or keep an eye on, sorry. Speaking of checkout, be sure to go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, and look at Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, You'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I Shea highlights. You can see all that I just mentioned. Um, all of his shot attempts, or not shot attempts, but his made shots from last night's game. Uh, we're going to continue to do that a little more regularly, and, we're, and I'm having a lot of fun putting these together. So be sure to subscribe, stay tuned, and uh, go check out our, our previous highlight videos that we've put together so far. So, going to get into your guys' Twitter questions, but before that, a quick ad read. All right, so last night, asked for Twitter questions, and you guys delivered, as always. Um, Thunderbeard, what do you guys think of Williams? I hate his mullet, but he hustles hard, so I tolerate it. And a bonus question, would you rather have Levert or Aladipo in this stage of their careers? They didn't even get into the Harden trade. Um, definitely something that we'll be diving into this Sunday, so stay tuned. Um, so with Williams, like I mentioned, I, I, I do hate his mullet, not going to lie, but he he just, he makes things happen. Um, you know, he's a guy that you can throw out there, and you know he's going to give you solid production. He's going to make the right plays, and just a another sound IQ basketball guy. And uh, that's kind of, you know, a high character, the kind of guy that Preston is going to continue to build this team around. And um, it'll be interesting to see if he can be more consistent and kind of see him, uh, you know, cement a role within this rotation, within this team. 
So yes, uh, I think very highly of Williams and his game last night, uh, much more so than I did in the preseason when I thought he maybe should be cut. A bonus question, um, probably taking Levert in this stage of their career, but that's really tough. Um, obviously, I love Vic, but I just don't know if he'll ever quite get to that level um, that, that we always think maybe he can be at, you know, that superstar level. Um, when he's at his best, he's an all-star, and I'm, I'm just with that injury, I'm a little concerned maybe he won't reach that stage again. So so we will see. Baby Wolverine, he asks, do you think Isaiah Roby is for real? And who do you think has been the most consistent player throughout the season? I do think Isaiah Roby is for real. Now, do I think that he's going to score like 20 plus a game and, you know, just has like a super high, you know, sky's the limit? Not necessarily, but I, like I said, I think earlier in the podcast, um, I, I think he can be a really solid rotation piece for this team moving forward or maybe for other teams. And it's been really fun to watch. I, I think Dignall mentioned this last night, but this truly is kind of his rookie season. You know, he played in the G League. Um, he has some experience, but then he got hurt with the Thunder the, the, uh, last year. And this is truly is like his, his, his first full season in the NBA. And it's almost like his rookie year. And he's been really impressive. So uh, I think very highly Roby, and I can't wait to see what he develops into. Who's been the most consistent player? That's kind of tough. Um, Dort's shooting is pretty consistent, like I mentioned earlier. It's been a ton of fun to watch. Uh, obviously Shea, you know what you're going to get out of him. Um, but I don't know if I want to say he's the most consistent just because he can either go for 33 like he did last night, or maybe only ends up with like 18 and you know, only what, like eight or nine shot attempts. So I think the most consistent for me, maybe might be Mike Pascala. He's coming out playing really well. Uh, I don't have stats to back that up right now, but muskie has been very consistent this season. So I'm going to go with a oddball pick there and go with Mike Pascala as my most consistent player. Cheshire Cat, any leads on players the Thunder might get for their extra roster spots? A good question. Who do you think on the Thunder has made the most progress this season? So any leads, uh, we don't have any leads necessarily, but I think maybe some guys to keep an eye on would be like uh, Admiral Schofield. Now, I don't know how that works since he was just drafted um, to a G League team, so they might not have his rights anymore. But some of those guys that they waived I think would be interesting. Shoot, maybe if you want another locker room presence guy, um, a guy who knows the organization really well, what if they use that third? Oh, I, they can't do that. Sorry. It has to be three years of experience or below. I was going to say maybe bring Dre back there, but I don't think they can do that now. So sorry. Anyways, um, Schofield's a guy maybe keep an eye on. I think he'll probably be highly coveted by teams with that third um, two-way spot. And it'll be something to keep an eye on. Who do you, I think, has made the most progress this season? Oh, that's tough. That is really tough. Um, I'm trying to think through the roster right now. I, I'm going to go ahead and go with Lou Dort. And Baisley has made progress as well, but Lou definitely seems to be the guy I think who has made the most progress. And just like I said, consistency. He is bringing it consistently every single night on both ends of the floor. And I'm going to go with Lou there. Dez asked, Shea is clearly capable of taking over the game. He is deadly when he does. He is also the go-to guy, and he knows that. So why does he not take over more often? Um, that's a really good point. And I think it's just kind of A, maybe his personality, but B, the way he reads the game. Um, he's not necessarily a score first kind of guy. He sees the game at a very high level and he wants to get others involved and he knows that he can impact the game other than just his scoring. So I think that's what we're seeing. Now, as he continues to develop and get more, um, get more confidence as we're seeing game by game, that's what we're seeing him start to take over more. And that's why I'm so excited to watch him as the season progresses, especially when the Thunder trading away guys like potentially George Hill and others to see him continue to take those steps and, and kind of be more of a takeover scorer at times. And so I think we'll see that. But I, I, just to answer your question um, in conclusion, I think it's just because he sees the game at such a high level and knows that he can impact the game other than just his scoring. 
So final question here, Thunder Talk UK, how likely do you think a heel trade is in the near future? Feel like we need to start giving Hami, Kenrich, Teo more minutes. And is there anywhere else those minutes can come from? That's a really good question. Uh, I don't know if a Hill trade is necessarily imminent, especially with Brooklyn doing what they did uh, and trading for uh, James Harden because Hill felt like a really good fit there. But there's a ton of teams who could benefit from Hill. I thought about the Celtics. Uh, the Clippers, obviously, is a pretty obvious one. Really, any contenders that are needing guards, um, I, I, I think Hill's going to fit in perfectly there. He'll be uh, highly sought after. I think he probably already is. But my guess is, A, like I mentioned, Presti really likes having him in the locker room and wants him around um, until maybe the very last minute. And then, um, you know, if Presley does wait until the last minute, uh, being the trade deadline in March, early March, he's going to drive up that value and see and, and make sure that he can maximize that value and get the most out of of a Hill trade or even even other vets, like I mentioned, Mascala, Horford, etc. So I think that's probably what he is waiting for. And then, uh, is there anywhere else those minutes can come from for those young guys, some of those young guys? Honestly, you could cut down on Hami's minutes in that second unit um, and maybe play those other guys a little more there. That would be an option. I'm not necessarily saying I want to see that, but that is an option. Um, you could cut down on Hill's minutes a little bit, but I don't think you want that. You want to keep Hill happy because as we've seen, you know, he's not, he's definitely not a guy who's scared to, to speak what he's thinking. Um, and that's a good question. Even Horford, I mean, I know that's a completely different position, um, but you could cut down those minutes and maybe play a little smaller and get those guys minutes that way. Um, so all that to say, there are options, but I, I think Dignall, you know, as we've seen, he's going to continue to experiment with rotations, and he's not afraid to change things up. So we can see that depending on the matchup and depending on the game. So as always, you guys delivered with some great, great Twitter questions. Thank you guys again. So let's go ahead and get out of here. I went about 30 minutes uh, over a really fun game. We have another fun one on Sunday where we will be or another game where us here at the Uncontested will be breaking down the game and do a full group podcast. So, like I said, the Thunder play the Sixers on Sunday with no Joel Embiid. Something to keep an eye on. It should be interesting. They have a pretty brutal schedule ahead. We mentioned this before, but they have the 76ers on Sunday, the Nuggets on Tuesday, the Clippers on Friday, the Clippers again on Sunday, the Trailblazers that next Monday, then the Suns a couple days later, the Nets a couple days later, the Rockets, the Rockets again, and it just continues to basically go down the hill from there. So stay tuned. Uh, we will continue to have you guys posted with some post-game podcasts. They'll be more timely, I promise. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for staying engaged. Be sure to go and follow all of our social media accounts. Leave a five-star review if you're up for it. And like I mentioned earlier, earlier in the podcast, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Until next time, Thunder Up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.